Welcome to this podcast from Greater Boston on WGBH2. It is one in a series of interviews with authors conducted by Greater Boston host Emily Rooney. Our podcasts are made possible through the generous contributions of WGBH viewers and listeners like you. Thanks for joining us. And now, here's Emily. Charities are synonymous with nonprofit, but now one entrepreneur says that model should change. Dan Palata, founder of AIDS Strides and the Avon Walk for Breast Cancer, has a new book, Uncharitable How Restraints on Nonprofits Undermine Their Potential. And Dan Palata is here. Welcome. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, it really struck me when I was reading through this. You say that uh, nonprofits, charities, have to, they have to play by a different rule, but they are judged by the same measure of success, which is really how much money they make and how much they give to their clients, which is exactly what a business does. Well, actually, we judge charities with a, a single question that we need to stop asking, which is, what percentage of my donation goes to the cause? That's the question we've all been trained mm -hmm. to ask. And we need to stop asking that question because it gives us really bad information. Uh, say you have Soup Kitchen A and Soup Kitchen B, and Soup Kitchen A says 90 cents on your dollar goes to the cause, and Soup Kitchen B says 70 cents mm. of your dollar goes to the cause. Well, we've all been trained to give to Soup Kitchen A. Yeah. But if you were actually to go and visit the soup kitchen and you found out Soup Kitchen A is serving rancid soup in a dilapidated facility and Soup Kitchen B is serving really hearty, nutritious soup in a state-of-the-art facility, well, now you'd want to give to Soup Kitchen B. And you would never have known that if all you asked is, what percentage of my donation goes to the cause? But as, as you know, this whole thing really got started back with that United Way debacle of, gosh, it must have been 20 years ago when the, the, the salaries of all those people came forward. And you raised the same question here. We are, we are so uncharitable when it comes to the CEOs and the business developers of these charities. We don't want to pay them. Why? Well, it comes from an old Puritan ethic, really, um, that started right here in New England where, you know, the Puritans were capitalists and they wanted to make a lot of money, but they were also Calvinists and taught that they were despicable in the eyes of God and they shouldn't do anything out of self-interest. So charity became a penance for their profit-making tendencies. So how could you make money doing charity if charity was your penance for making money? And you're absolutely right. You know, Business Week did a study the average uh, Stanford Business School graduate, 10 years out of business school, is making $400,000 a year. The average anti-hunger charity CEO in the United States makes $83,000 a year. You're, there's no way you're going to attract the talent from the nation's mm -hmm. top business schools into the nonprofit sector if you're unwilling to pay for the talent. And that's a shame because you're only denying the needy and people with breast cancer mm -hmm. and people with AIDS the talents of probably well, some wonderful well, you, people. You strike the core here, which is that you have to make it a society, a cultural change. For instance, advertising. You say that that's seen as, oh, a big no-no, because if a percentage of the donations go to advertising, somehow that's seen as a waste of money. But and the reverse is true. It's like advertising in business. You bring more money in. How do you change the, the mindset? Yeah, well, imagine if, uh, by talking about it just like this, <laughs> Im imagine if I said to the music industry, you can advertise, but I said to the movie industry, you cannot. Well, we would start buying a lot more music than we would movies simply because mm. we wouldn't know what movies were out there. Well, that's essentially what we've done to charity. We've said we don't want our donations spent on advertising. So we walk out into the world and we're 
pummeled with billboards and television commercials for iPods and Botox and Budweiser, uh, but they're it really isn't any advertising out there for charity and then you know we want to say it's an apathetic culture it's not an apathetic culture it's a very generous culture but when you're pummeled all day with messages for iPods instead of Darfur where do you think your attention and your money's mm. going to go is there another way that some of these charities can really really uh, you know overturn their business model i mean i know you've been involved in all the walks and a lot of these things not, not necessarily that one, but a lot of these models have become tired, you know, the auctions. I mean, you, you, you want to shoot yourself, you go to one more of those things. Frankly, some of the walks seems to have sort of run their course. Is there another way for, for, for these charities to really look at a, at a wide open landscape? Well, first of all, they have to start to think a lot bigger. And society's uh, obsession with overhead has put charity in a very cautious posture where they're more frightened about overhead than they are actually hmm. curing AIDS or curing breast cancer because they know they live or die by what the public thinks about that overhead ratio. So I think if charity started to set uh, breathtaking goals, like if the breast cancer charities got together and said, we are going to find a cure for breast cancer mm -hmm. and we're going to do it within 10 years, that would be so exciting to the general public that all kinds of resources would, would come now, their Now way. you have touched on the sore subject, which is duplication of effort. And I think a lot of people see that. I mean, there, there has to be, in this country alone, several thousand breast cancer charities, probably several hundred thousand. There are 1.2 million nonprofits in the United States. There are about 97 new nonprofits created a day, and I couldn't agree more. There's no merger and takeover market mm -hmm. in the nonprofit sector because it's all about good. Right. But there should be because we're duplicating all kinds of fixed costs. You know, you've got a CEO here, 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 accounting staff here, 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 here. Mm. So everybody I agree. wants a charity in their name or somebody else's name, and it's it's all right. It's good work, but it's <clears throat> yes. it's redundant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and uh, we should build much bigger organizations. But that's part of the problem. The society. When a charity starts to get big, they call it an empire. Hmm. Well, we have empires for producing computers and empires for producing sports. I think we need some empires for, you know, eradicating hmm. breast cancer right. and hunger. Right. It's a fascinating book. Uncharitable. Dan Pallotta, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast, one in a series of interviews conducted by Greater Boston host Emily Rooney. We invite you to watch Greater Boston weeknights on WGBH2 at 7 p.m. and again at midnight. The program is also available through Comcast On Demand.